take 43. Mark? Hey everybody, welcome to the Take 43 podcast. My name is Aaron Colborn and uh, today we uh, do not have Drew Williams with us. We have another one of our friends, Dave Moffert. Say hello, Dave. Hey, hey, hey. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us. Uh, you may yeah, remember man. Dave. He was our actually the first guest we had on the show back in the first season. Um, as well as we've mentioned his name plenty of times. He's one of the producers on Jump Seat, close personal friend of both mine and Drew's. And you know, just stoked to have him on. Thanks yeah. for coming on, Dave. Appreciate it. For sure, man. I'm stoked too. And you're probably, not you, Dave, but I'm sure everybody else is wondering, you know, <laughs> where the heck is uh, Drew Williams? Well, if you all have been paying attention, uh, Drew has mentioned a couple of times that he had a baby on the way yep. and specifically for about eight months, eight or nine months, I guess. Last week, he and his wife welcomed their baby into the world. And so now Drew is what you would call, you know, busy. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm, I'm not a father, so I have absolutely no uh, advice that I could give Drew on how to be a, a dad. But Dave, you have three kids, man. I got, I got three feral boys. Feral. They are definitely feral. <laughs> One thing I'm really stoked about is that I didn't have any girls. Like I was worried about that. Drew's in trouble because he's got girls, so or he's got a girl. So he's got a girl, and uh, I'm just gonna go ahead and say I'm. I think I'm gonna put money on his second child being a girl as well, just because it'll probably be the most difficult thing yeah, for him yeah. is having oh, two man. girls. But she's uh, she's gorgeous. Everybody is she happy is. and beautiful. healthy, and and everybody's doing great. And you know, Drew will be back on um, ASAP for sure. But in the meantime, Dave and I are going to do something a little bit different. Normally, you know, we talk a lot about video production and a little bit about movies. Well, Dave and I are both huge movie nerds. And so we thought it'd be kind of cool if we actually talked through some of our favorite movie scenes, you know, yeah. or shots, any of that kind of stuff. You know, things that we think are, are, you know, worthy of, you know, trying to emulate or as inspiration. You know, dissecting these kinds of things, talking about why they work, I think is just as valid as, as anything else. We want to be, we want to ultimately make movies is, is absolutely a choice so yeah. i think it's just like you know aspiring to that kind of stuff is just the way to go absolutely and and you know we look to i mean these are you know everybody we talk about we have you know they're all top notch directors and and definitely people that you want to oh, look yeah. to when you're when you're thinking about making a movie you want to look at their stuff and try and be even half as successful as them but before we talk about movies, let's talk about some movies. <laughs> well, first, first, I think we should ask what happened to the first 42 takes. Oh, first 42 takes. Well, the good news is that we got this done in one take because Drew isn't here. So it, was, <laughs> it just knocked it right out of the park. Uh, but you've uh, seen a few good movies recently. Oh, man. Uh, what, yeah. what have you seen? So last night, I actually watched Nomadland, which was... I've heard that's great. I've, pretty much everybody like across the board has said this movie is amazing. Man, it's sad, but it's so well done like it's mm. so well done it reminds me a lot of um into the wild you know but oh yeah yeah but it's got kind of a 2020 vibe to it with the whole like living on your own and like kind of a living off the grid sort living of living off the grid kind of thing yeah right but i also saw this other movie uh the sound of metal dude Ooh, yeah that one is so good it's yeah. probably the best movie i've seen in the last year, at least. Yeah, it, so. w it was great. I, I watched that recently, too. Riz Ahmed. I mean, oh, I, I've always liked him, but I, I think this is probably the best he's done. Would you would you agree with that? For sure. For yeah. sure. Yeah. And it's not it's kind of not the movie that I expected it to be. Not like I all. thought it, I thought it was going to be very loud. And like the first yeah. scene's very loud, but it settles into I don't want, I won't give much away, but it settles into a much quieter, much more. Uh, it reminds me a little bit of the wrestler and kind of the approach yeah. it ends up taking. Yeah. It's very introspective, much more than I thought it would be. Man, yeah. When I I was like 
okay, I, I ramped myself up to, I, I kind of like hyped myself up to watch it because I just am not in the mood for st a lot of stress, you know? <laughs> and I thought for sure oh, that but why? I don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought for sure like Sound of Metal was just going to be like loud and kind of just, you know, right. I had to like kind of grit my teeth to watch it. It's exactly opposite of what I thought it was going to be in yeah. a good way. Like it's yeah. such a good movie. Yeah, I agree. I was, I was very impressed with it. I really dug it. Cool, man. So so what movies uh, have you watched recently, Aaron? Well, okay. So most people that know me very well know that I'm super into Korean movies lately. Yeah. Uh, a lot of it, you know, hap you know, happened because of uh, Bong Joon-ho, who directed Parasite. I love, love Parasite. Uh, that movie is so good, man. I love that It's so movie. good. It's so good. Thematically, it's great. Visually, it's great. And also, I mean, he pulls off the, like, the trifecta. It's also just fun. Yeah. Um, and so I'm a big fan of his, and there are several other Korean movies that I really dig. But I watched this one, and it's a little different because a lot of times when we think of foreign movies or Korean movies, they're these, you know, they're these artful films that are, you know, very highbrow. This is about yeah. the lowest brow you can get. It's basically so it's called Space Sweepers, and it's new <laughs> on on Netflix, and it's essentially kind of like a Korean Star Wars. It's this Whoa. huge, it's this huge sci-fi movie. Uh, it takes place. It only takes place about. Uh, 50 years in the future, but it's, it's it, it seems closer to like hundreds of years in the future. That's it's so awesome. advanced, but it's so much fun. I mean, the, act, the acting is is pretty great. The effects are really, really good. And I think that's what really makes it stand apart is this, this big, like effects heavy action cool. space movie with humor and great characters and actually very multicultural as well. There's a lot of, uh, there's German, there's Mexican in there and, you know, for these different nationalities. <laughs> and it's, it's really cool. And it's a lot of fun. It's just not what you think of typically when somebody says Korean movie, but this, I just, I've been a firm believer that the next little while we're going to see uh, South Korea kind of taking over the international yeah. like film market. And this is a huge, huge step in that direction. I was just going to say that dude, the Korean film films are like, they're kind of like what the, the Spanish films were like a couple, like 10 years ago. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like you Guillermo del like, Toro yeah, movies. Like, and it's, I'm starting to see that trend with these Korean films. I'm just like, man, they, they're making some awesome stuff. Uh, was it like Alfonso Cuaron, uh, who, oh, well, I guess he's yes, the director of Children of, of mm -hmm. Men, the Spanish speaking director is making big yeah. Oscar movies, which is, which is rad. But yeah, there was definitely like, felt like there's a shift to uh, South Korean a couple years ago. And yeah, they're just making some awesome stuff. And so if you're in the mood for, you know, some good, uh, fun sci fi, it's not necessarily yeah. thoughtful sci fi. Uh, very two very different genres but if you want a good kick out of out of something it's it's totally worth your time it's it's a really fun movie i'll have to check that out it's on netflix you're saying yeah it's on netflix yeah i think cool. they added it just like a couple weeks ago so let's go ahead and dig into our second round of movie talk yeah and you and i have put some thought into this you know it's hard we're such big movie nerds so it's hard probably i know it's hard for me to whittle down to just kind of like a few like shots or moments that i thought worked exceptionally well and then figure out why they worked well yeah initially i had like i had probably 20 films that I picked out and I'm like, I have to will these down to my top five, but yeah. I, I still snuck in a couple extra. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Oh, <laughs> I know just, I wrote down like four and then I looked at your notes and you have like 20 and I'm, I'm like, sorry. Oh, no. <laughs> I just <laughs> yeah, love that's okay. these movies, man. They're just so fun. But I'll tell you what, I'll go first. Cause we've already talked a little yeah. bit about it. Children of men. I mean, the entire movie from top to bottom is incredible. Uh, directed by Alfonso Cuaron, who's done a bunch of other great movies as well. I think this is probably my favorite of his. Um, I think it's one where he kind of blends everything together the best. The The biggest problem I had with this is there are so many great scenes in the movie. Oh, man. Uh, it's the, I mean, everything in it is is great. I mean, he has these really great, long, you know, one takes. 
uh, with just tons of action going on and like which one, you know, which one do you pick? Right. Dude, and they're, yeah. And the thing is that the filmmakers know that, that they're badass when they're doing it. Like right. you can, oh, of course you can they tell yeah. they're like, they're adding little things in that makes us filmmakers look at it. Like how the hell did they do yeah. that? Like, <laughs> right. What? Like the, the car scene that you're, that you're, you yeah. want to talk about? Like specifically there's things in there where I'm like, Oh my God. You know what I'm saying? That is seriously, yeah. seriously, but it, it all pays off so well. I mean, yeah. So it's about a four minute long single take. Uh, it happens inside of inside of a car, which yeah. in and of itself is difficult. I mean, there's five people in this car and the camera actually kind of like moves around and not just a simple like pan. Like it kind of moves in and out and goes to two shots and back yeah, to single shots. Yeah, people in the back seat, people in the front seat. Yeah, of, yeah, exactly. So the basic setup, if you haven't seen it, is, you know, it's a, a very dystopian future, a very, very close dystopian future, though. And especially this year, a little too close for comfort in some ways. And all they've been told is they're protecting uh, and transporting this, this young woman around. He doesn't really know why yet. Yeah. Uh, so they, they get in the car and they're driving and they are attacked and by it's this the massive way, mob, <laughs> by this massive mob. And the way yeah. it plays out is so terrifying and it, it's so smart. So they're kind of rotating the camera on the inside of the car and you know, they're having, they started off with having a very nice time. Clive Owen and the other woman's in the car, like they're playing around like a ping pong ball. Everybody's yeah. kind of laughing and stuff like that. And then, well, and what, that's, what, that's, that's like one of the things I'm talking about. Like they, that's one of the things they did to make the scene hard was they had right. this ping pong ball. That they're spitting back and forth from each other's yeah. mouths. And I'm yeah. like, what the hell, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. It's, it's just, it's just to kind of shove it in our faces to show how awesome they are yeah. at what they do. <laughs> of course. Exactly. Yeah. Like that could go wrong in so many ways. And why would you want to mess up your shot? Like right, right well, out of the yeah, gate. It's like a that. four minute take and they're like flinging a ping pong ball from mouth right. to mouth. Like, oh although I think, I, I don't know for sure, but I I'm think sure that, that ping pong ball CGI. Yeah. It's, it's gotta be, it's gotta yeah. be. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so what they do in the scene that is so cool is every time wherever the camera moves, it's revealing like this new piece of information. So, you know, it's kind of they're shooting out of yeah. like the the passenger side and it rotates around to the front. And that's when you see this flaming car come barreling out of the out of the woods yeah. and, and slamming right in front of them. And they're like, oh, no. You know, so they start backing up and the camera keeps going out to the driver's side. And that's when you see all the people rushing out of the woods, this big mob, just like with, with bats and like bottles and stuff like that. Just like, yeah, just throwing shit at the car. And And then, I mean, and first of all, like that's the scene leading up to that point. It's like two minutes long of dialogue. So like, and it's all one shot. So they're Mm -hmm. like, it's this driving scene. You're kind of getting world between each person in the car. Right. And then they pan over and you see like this reveal of this car on fire up on top yeah. of this hillside rolling down and smashing like perfect timing. Yeah. As perfect they, timing. as the car like pulls up to it. Like, like so they the had hell? to like time out like those two minutes of dialogue yeah. to know exactly where they're going to land. And, and what's kind of cool is uh, the way, part of the way they shot it. They have this guy basically strapped to the front of the car in what looks like a little go kart. And, and he's down really, really low to the ground. So he's the one that's actually driving. <laughs> So uh, I can't remember the name of the actor who's who's uh, driving in the scene, but he's not actually driving the car, which I mean, duh, yeah. but still, yeah. you know, but yeah, there's a little guy in front driving the car. So he knows exactly like how long he's supposed to take to get oh, to that man. point, which is crazy. But then, so it keeps panning around and then you get to the, you get back to the passenger side and there's more of this mob and then it comes back around to the front and then you see there's a 
a two people on a motorcycle with a Molotov cocktail. They throw it at the car. It yep. catches on fire. They shoot through the window and they end up, uh, they get up next to the side of the car and somebody ends up opening the door and like knocking them off the bike and flinging them across the hood. And then, but then what's really impressive, they kind of go get away. There's a couple more small things that happen, but they get away and the scene ends with the camera coming out of the car and then the car drives away. So they even said, okay, you know, we think people could probably figure out, you know, we have a camera inside the car that can do all this stuff, but like, watch this. We're going to let the camera leave the car and then you can watch the car leave and see if there's no camera equipment in it. I mean, what a way to sell it. Well, and also when they, so when they shoot through the windshield, like you see the windshield crack, which potentially could also be CG. Probably I think that's was. CGI also. Yeah. But, but I mean, you got Julianne Moore in the front seat who gets that's shot in Julianne the Moore, neck. Yeah. In yeah. the neck, and then like I mean, they had a lot of that was practical. The blood, yeah, that was yeah, that, that blood was definitely practical, yeah. So like, and that's like maybe three and a half minutes into the scene, you know, where you're just like, okay, so she's like laying there dead, and there's these two guys on a motorcycle drive up to the side of the car, and it's just like that whole interaction is just insanely well done. Insanely Amazing. Well I mean, done. I mean, they they must have probably spent I would say eighty percent of their time on rehearsal before even yeah. attempting to shoot it, right? For sure. For yeah, sure. they'd have to. Yeah. But yeah, that I mean, that scene, I mean, anytime I watch it, it, it pops up every now and again. You'll see, you know, like a film school rejects, yeah. like video pop up on, on Twitter or something like that. And every time I watch anything about it, and there's some great making of uh, videos out there too that you should definitely check out. Every time it just blows my mind at how... Yeah technically impressive it is but then just also just viscerally it just really it's such the entire thing is such a gut punch and so they just they're able to combine everything into almost like what i think is probably a perfect scene one of the reasons why i think this is a perfect pick is because of the technical aspect of it like there's there's a lot of really great scenes out there either really well acted scenes or really like well thought through story ideas you know but like this one, it's got kind of everything, but it's the tech, the technical element of it just like pushes it over the top in terms of like, like the wow factor, you know? Right. Well, I mean, they, they use the the technical side of it to enhance the storytelling for instead of sure. doing it just for the sake of, yep. of, of being technical, which, you know, there's plenty of directors that are guilty of doing that. Yeah. I think actually yeah. even Alfonso Cuaron has been guilty of doing that and other oh, yeah. things. Mm -hmm. uh, but the, it's, I mean, they, they use everything in the, in the right ways and it's just, it's such a great scene. So what about you? What's a, what's your, what would you call it? Like your top pick here? How about we talk about for me, something that's also technically difficult in La La Land, the movie La La Land, that oh, yeah, traffic yeah. jams scene. Oh yeah. Like the opening uh, dance number, yeah. dance song number. Yeah. Like that dude, first off, so many freaking extras that they had to manage. It's a musical number. So everyone's and it's like moving from person to person singing. It's like this one shot, this one big crane shot moving from like car to car to car. Like it's, and it's just like, so impressive that they pulled that off in it. They actually had to shut down LA. Yeah. They, sh yeah, they shut down part of an LA freeway, right? Yeah. For three days for three yeah. days just to get that crazy. Scene. Yeah. And I'm just like, dude, if we had all the money in the world, like that's the kind of shit I would want to do. In right. A movie, you know? Oh, totally. Totally. Yeah. And it, it's, it's so great. I mean, again, just these, these long takes like this. And I think there's, there's a couple cuts and yeah. if you really said it, you can find them, but they're, I think they're also not like trying that hard to hide it it's because the, I mean, the, the, the dance number is great. The song's great. Um, and it is, it's bright, it's colorful, it's fun. Yeah. And, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's a very cool scene. Well, it is, it is a really cool scene. It's just, um, and it's not like my typical kind of movie. Like I don't really love watching those, uh, the, you know, really bright love, right. love. And yeah, we, like, yeah, we, we, yeah, we like dark movies for the like most part. Dark, yeah. We like dark <laughs> movies, you know, and, and you guys will get a sense of that 
after we go through our list. But <laughs> right. I, like, what is wrong with these guys? I know, man. <laughs> but at the end of the day, it's like that that scene is really impressive. And so I wanted to put that on my list. Yeah. Well, I mean, everybody, I mean, there, there's some pretty complicated dance moves and some pretty complicated cues to hit. And so again, they had to have like done a lot of rehearsals in order to get yeah. that right. A yeah. lot. I mean, the, I mean, I'm sure it involved probably multiple camera guys, probably switching from rig to rig a yeah. couple of times or switching the rig to a different person, to a different cam op, stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like that's one of those things I would love to pull off a long take one day, but man, oh, I mean, man. we have, we have a couple in jump seat, but they are basically just kind of single shots yeah. that kind of go in one direction. That's probably, I guess that's me dipping my toes in, uh, sure, wanting to sure, do a sure. long take. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, and in terms of like kind of in the same vein, the whole movie, 1917, I mean, oh, that, yeah. that film, like they shot the whole damn thing in one take, which technically it's, there's cuts, but, but I mean, it's, you, in, I mean, but it's pretty long sections that really are just one take, right? Oh yeah. I, I, I like just haven't seen it. Seven, you haven't seen that movie? No, I haven't. Oh, it's one man. of those ones I've, it, it's kind of been on my list and it, it's one of those ones just, you know, sometimes things just get glossed over and for whatever yeah. reason it, it flew under my radar. Dude, I would say watch it. It is very impressive. And the story's pretty good, to tell you the truth. So Really? Okay. Um, well, and I like Sam Mendes, you know. I mean, yeah. he I mean, he did uh, you know, Road to Perdition, which is a, an incredible movie. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a visually incredible movie. The acting's great. Uh, Sam Mendes is a good director, so I'll, yeah. yeah, I'll definitely be checking 1917. Maybe I'll I'll bump it up on the list. Yeah. I mean, they 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 basically take all of these ideas of these long shots and then they just make a movie out of it, you know, like all of these really hard technical elements, they make a whole freaking movie. Like that's out of control. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's just right. out of control. Come on, come on guys, reel it back maybe a little bit, you know, save some for the rest of us. <laughs> but I mean, there's some impressive stuff in there too. You got freaking plane crash. You got like yeah. bombs and shit going off all around you. Like it's, they did a lot of really impressive technical things as well. So I've even seen a couple of behind the scenes things where I think it, there's one where the main dude is like running through, you know, this probably describes a lot of the movie I'm guessing, but he's running through, you know, people fighting, you know, kind of running yeah. the opposite direction. And there's even a couple of spots where he like, he's, he tripped. And I guess that wasn't like supposed to happen, but they just kind of kept it in the movie. Yeah. So, um, and, and let him kind of, he just kind of kept acting and they didn't call cut. And so they just kind of kept on going. And I think that's like the one that made it into the movie. And so being able to, it's, it twists my brain and enough knots trying to think about how to do a yeah. long take like that, but then even more so trying to think on the fly, how to keep things moving, how to, how to yeah. just keep it going when there's been a mistake. Like I feel like my brain would break if I was trying to do that. Oh my God. And I'm sure that they had like this massive crew behind the camera making all the, oh, these yeah. scenes happen. Like you, you can't go like go back to one after a 14, 15 minute long take. Like that's seriously that's how like how long would a reset on something like that take? Oh, I mean, so I you have to have like know. multiple people handling multiple groups of people that just, I mean, the, the logistics are, yeah. Like those logistics are the type of thing that keep me up at night. Just thinking about, <laughs> how much how stressful it would be to me you know when you watch the movie look out for the scene where they're shooting at night and they're using these flares they're shooting these flares oh, up in the sky and that's how they light the scene dude it's oh, freaking insane gosh. and it's this big ass long take like it's i don't know like, how, how do they you did pl- how do you plan for that dude how do you plan I have for no that? idea i have no idea man that's i guess that's why they're uh huge filmmakers and we're yep. not yet <laughs> yep exactly <laughs> Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. 
Dude, you know what's a pain sometimes? Hmm, you tell. Hauling huge lights onto set. Oh yeah, that's like the worst. Yeah, I've tried more compact lights, but they just don't cut it when it comes to rendering true color. Plus, they're never bright enough. Mm -hmm, never. But one day, a buddy of mine from the snowboard industry asked me to check out these new lights called Lytra, oh. which promised to solve exactly that problem. They're compact, yet powerful, and with professional-grade color rendering. Nice. Nice. Now Lytra is pretty much all I ever bring to set. Compact, powerful, bicolor, RGB, Bluetooth controlled, rugged, waterproof, you name it, Lytra's it. That's a whole bunch of stuff. That sounds great. So you should visit our Lytra link in the description below and receive 15% off your next order from Lytra.com. I promise you these lights will completely change your approach to photo and video lighting. All right, man, I'm going to hold you to it. Okay, so this was a pretty hard one for me to pick because one of my favorite directors is Michael Mann. And he has more oh, than yeah. one movie I love that's him, a, a, he's great. He's awesome. Yeah. And he yeah. has more than one movie that's a huge influence on me. I mean, there's Heat, there's Collateral, which is- That's I mean, one of my big, favorites, dude. Collateral. Collateral's great. I mean, it's one of the big influences on, on Jump Seat. I mean, yeah. I think after I watched Collateral, I was like, I need to make a driving movie. Yeah. You yeah. know, even more so. I mean, one of my other For favorite sure. movies is Drive, but <laughs> Collateral is the one that finally made me like do it. But then also The Insider is an incredible movie in a very different way from, from those two movies. Oh, yeah. So I had to think, I'm like, okay- the, the honest truth is when you're thinking about Michael Mann, the best thing he's ever done, even singular scene, I would be really surprised if anybody said anything except for the daylight robbery scene in heat oh, in downtown man. LA. That it's scene incredible. It is bonkers. It's, it's incredible. It's so well staged and they do a lot of things right, but there's specifically one moment though that I want to talk about. And it's because it, you know, he's another one of these directors that takes so many different elements and makes them work together in service of the story in just the right way while making it thrilling at the same time. So, you know, if you haven't seen Heat, the general gist, you know, it's, it's cops and robbers, right? Yep, yep. Um, but they're, but they spend about an hour and a half building them up as the, just these consummate professionals. Al Pacino is the cop who is yep. just, you know, everybody knows just the best cop. Him and his team are on top of things all the time. They catch their guys. They're good at what they do. Mm -hmm. They're smart. And then on the other side, you have Robert De Niro and his, his crew crew of yeah. thieves and they are also the same thing they're the best at what they they're do pros. They, they're pros and they're they're just ju just these professionals and everybody knows it and they treat them that way and you know you know like again for the first hour and a half they're pitting these two against each other you know they're going to collide at a certain point and so it gets to this point where um the the robbers are getting ready to pull off their robbery yep. and and they're in the middle of doing it in the middle of them doing it the cops get wind of that this yeah. is going down. And so then the cops head on the way and you're like, okay, this is coming to yeah. a head yeah. and how's it going to happen? Well, the robbers are almost out of the bank and as Val Kilmer is the last one out, they got all the money. He's walking out to the car. All of Al Pacino's cops are starting to surround the front of the bank, you know, still trying to stay out of sight. Yep. And this one car moves at just the wrong time. And Val Kilmer's character sees one of the cops with his gun. Yep. And the the way that it's done, the way they pull this off is so, so smart because it's in service of character and story and everything mm -hmm. you've been told about his characters is Val Kilmer immediately. Like there's zero hesitation. Oh, well, one of the pro, big things, dude. He's, just he's a pro. Not well, one, of the things they, and one of the things they say in the rest of the movie is, you know, you need to be able to drop everything when you, when you see the heat coming around the corner. Basically, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's how pro they are is if they see the cops, drop everything, go. You just, you know, oh, no man. hesitation. And so as soon as Val Kilmer sees this cop, he just immediately picks up this huge gun and just starts just firing, just fully automatic gunfire. And just it, the 
it's, it's just probably so... the coolest gun scene like in any movie. Yeah. Like the the guns sound real. Like it doesn't sound like that fake shit. You know. Well, and and that's that's exactly what they did, which is so cool. Yeah, they actually Michael Mann wanted to use the sounds of gunfire reverberating off the city, yeah. and I don't think anybody had really done that at the time. People have done it since then. Yeah. But at the time, you know, it was all fully guns and stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but he wanted, yeah, he wanted the sounds of real gunfire, and it makes for such a different visceral experience. Oh, man. That whole bank robbery scene, like we see that in a lot of movies now, like the dark the Dark Knight. You see that same totally. exact kind of feeling and flavor you know and it all came from from heat you know that's totally oh, there's a ton of dna from heat in, so, in that scene yeah you know you play like gta 5 and there's that scene where you're running around in gta 5 oh yeah that's oh, basically yeah. GTA 5 this is totally heat it's yeah, this movie totally. you know just to kind of tack tack on to your point about them building up the the characters for the first hour of the movie even inside the robbery scene they're just perfectly dialed everything they're perfect they, do they know exactly like, what they're boom. doing as soon as uh they see that cop dude it's just like mad crazy yeah they so. just he just starts firing you know like they, yeah. he knows they they all know at any given time exactly what it is they're supposed to be doing it's an awesome movie but uh what else do you got on your list dave all right man so i thought long and hard about this i i really love quentin tarantino and oh, you i just both. it was it was impossible for me to pick like one thing that he's done because Everything he does is is like <laughs> it's gold, you know. I know it's it's infuriating how well he does yeah. pretty much everything. There's one scene that in one of his like lesser known movies, honestly, yeah. that is probably one of my favorite scenes he's ever done, and it's in Jackie Brown, and it's the scene between Chris Tucker and uh, uh what's his face um, uh, Samuel Jackson, yeah Sam, Samuel Jackson, and there's like they're talking about trying to get or Samuel Jackson's trying to talk. Um, uh, Chris, Chris, is it Tucker? Chris Tucker. Yeah. Chris Tucker. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah from to, Friday. Yeah. 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 From Friday. He's trying <laughs> to talk Chris Tucker into getting into the trunk because what's going to happen is Samuel Jackson's going to freaking off this guy, you know? Right. Right. But he, you know, he doesn't know that because they're partners. Right. So. Right. Well, they were talking about what, uh, Bo- Beaumont. Is that who it is? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Beaumont mm-hmm. employee. I had to let go. I had to let go. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> As the audience, you know what's going to happen. You know what he's right, doing. Right. But they're, so they're, they're spending back and forth two minutes, like just t- trying to get him to get in the back of this truck, <laughs> trunk, you know, when he's finally like, fine, I'll get in there. He jumps in, he shuts the door and then Samuel Jackson gets in the front seat, puts on his black gloves, turns on mm-hmm. some music and you're like, and he gets, he gets his gun out and you know what's going to go down, you know? Yep. But then what happens is the car, it goes, so it goes back to an exterior of the car, this mm-hmm. wide shot where you see the car on the street and it does like this U-turn and the, the camera just kind of pans up and it reveals like where he's going. Right. And really where he goes, he just kind of goes right around an he just old goes building, around the block, right? Yeah. Around the block and then goes like between like in an alleyway between two old buildings. And you can see all of this in this wide shot. It's just one right. wide shot. And that's what I love so much about it. It's just like it's a probably a minute and a half long shot where you just see the car driving slowly around around the the block. Uh-huh. Pulls it pulls into like this you know this alleyway between these two buildings. It's got like dirt potholes and stuff because you can see the car bouncing as it kind of treads through. Right, there. right. And then you can see the car kind of coming back into the frame on the other uh-huh. side of the street. Right, right. And you can hear the music, so you know it's the same car, right? And it kind of comes up. <laughs> And then it stops. You hear him get out of the car. You see, you see like a figure. It's really shadowy. And it's far away at this point because it's like a block away that you're seeing uh-huh. this. You see him walk out, open the trunk, and blah, blah, two shots. 
And then he and then he gets back in the car and then drives back out of the alleyway and onto the street. And it's just like this one take, and it's so, so impressive. It's so, so impressive. Funny. I just so love it. He, does, he does exactly what what you think he's gonna do, and what yeah. Quentin Tarantino never really hides from you. Like you said, you know from the beginning, like oh, oh he's gonna kill this guy, and yeah. just seeing what he goes through to to do it, and the fact that he just does it. And like you said, I don't know if it's I'm trying to figure out kind of like what the purpose of the wide shot is, but it works so well. It's just kind of it's oh, absurd dude. just to watch him like just going to drive around the block and then shoot him. Like, <laughs> yeah, well, he does something similar in uh, once upon a time in Hollywood, right? That one shot where he goes from the, yes. the, the back, the, yes. from one person's yard to the other person's yard. Right. Mm-hmm. And I don't want, I, not that I'm giving a whole lot away. Cause everyone, right. everyone's seen that movie by this point. I, I don't know. Something about that where he just like kind of long, like just stays on a shot for a while. And yeah. lets just that anxiety build. Cause you know, what's going to happen. Totally. You know, totally. it works so well, dude. It works so well. One of the things that Quentin Tarantino ended up becoming really, really good at is his geography. And that's actually, I'm I'm glad you mentioned that movie because my next one is actually uh, Quentin as well. Because if you think about Pulp Fiction, he doesn't really do much of that kind of stuff in there. Mm -hmm. Like it's a fairly, it's actually shot fairly standard in a lot of ways. But then Jackie Brown, he does that and he starts experimenting more with his geography. And I think the one that he just nails it in multiple times is Inglorious Bastards. And this was really hard for me too to pick which scene because he does this in a couple scenes. I mean, there's the... uh, I know what scene you're talking about and it's so insane. It's so good. Well, I mean, so the the one that I almost did, but decided on on uh, this other one instead. I almost did the downstairs bar scene. It's what is it like a twenty minute long yeah. scene? And you know, they're That's playing not these the games. Okay. I, but I, it's not. I'm not going to talk oh, about okay. that scene. Okay. okay. The okay. scene I'm actually going to talk about is the opening scene. Uh, where oh, I love Han- that. where Hans Landa, the the Jew hunter, mm-hmm. is questioning this uh, French farmer about about a Jewish family that he's trying to find. Oh, just watching. I mean, I've seen the movie a million times, but yeah. I watched just this opening scene again last night. And every time I watch it, it just strikes me as how smart he is in building location, character, and story yeah. all at the same time. Yeah. Uh, and then just like turning on its head. So yes, yeah, it's, it's the first scene in the movie. It's like maybe two or three minutes in when Hans Landa comes in and sits yeah. down and starts talking to this talking to this farmer. And yeah. you know, it's a very pleasant conversation. You know, the 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 Jew hunter is it's so funny because the Jew hunter like he's a Nazi. You know, you're supposed mm-hmm. to hate him, but he is so much fun <laughs> to listen to. I mean, if I remember right, he ended up winning an Oscar that year oh, for, for I think best he supporting did. actor. And if he yeah, didn't, and, he deserved it because oh, he's he so yeah. good at that role. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he won it, but he, I mean, he's so good at it. And so it's very pleasant conversation. And then something that's really interesting that they do about eight minutes in, um, he very overtly, and I remember thinking this, uh, when I was watching it the first time, cause that first yeah. eight minutes is all in French. And then at about the eight minute mark, he very overtly says, can we switch to English? I'm like, that's kind of weird. <laughs> no, because I remember thinking, I'm like, is this whole movie going to be yeah. in like French and German? Yeah. And then he just switches to English. And I think I think this is actually Quentin playing with the form, making people think, oh, you know, this is an American movie. So, of course, mm-hmm. we're gonna, of course it's going to mostly be in English or something like that. So I'll skip past that for a second and keep going because then, you know, they start getting into the conversation about this Jewish family that he's looking for. Yeah. And up to this point, it's mostly been just kind of like these OTS shots, a very standard kind of like back and yeah. forth. Like the camera's not really even moving. And then it goes, and this is, I actually didn't notice this until like, until the, this last time I watched it, it goes back to kind of a wider shot and, and it rotates from Hans Landa's point of view around to the farmer's point of view. 
Oh, as, yeah. Cool. And so it's almost switching. So you come in as Hans Landa and yeah. you're asking questions you're like, what's going on here? And then you switch over to this farmer's point of view and, you know, they're talking about this other family and then the camera starts to ped down and oh, it heads yeah. down, heads down, this. and it goes through the floorboards. Yep. And then you see this Jewish family hiding under the floorboards. And suddenly you're like, that's oh. what's going on. Yeah. And it just, it turns. And so it's, it uses that geography to such like great effects. You understand where Well, and that's why he asked to switch to English, right? It's because ex- he didn't want them to hear like Exactly. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're French farmers. And so they probably don't know English, whereas yeah. these two do happen to know English. And so yeah. then you're like, Oh my God! He even used like the form of of the dialogue to so kind of kind of trick you and to show you how smart this guy is. So freaking good, dude! It's so good. I mean, it's just it, it's it's gotten me really fascinated with how to use the geography of the scene to effect yeah. like that. And I mean, like I'm sure I'll try at some point, but there's no way in hell that I'll ever be able to do it even half as good as he does. And he's he does it in a bunch of movies now, but I think Inglorious yeah. Bastards is where he really just nails it in, yeah, in multiple times. Well, and that scene's super memorable. I, I remember every little bit of that scene that you're talking about, and I haven't seen right. that film in probably, I don't know, eight years or so, you know? Right. Every single time I watch it, I think it's so, so good. And I remember even, you know, because I think the, he did that right after uh, Kill Bill. Yeah. And I remember thinking to myself, like, I don't know. Like, I love Quentin Tarantino. I mean, he's been one of my favorite filmmakers for, you know, as long as mm-hmm. I can remember. Mm-hmm. And I just remember thinking, like, I don't know if I really want to see a Quentin Tarantino World War II movie. Nazi, yeah. And, and after watching, I'm like, Oh my God, like he might've actually made a better movie for my taste than even Pulp Fiction. And I yeah. like, it still surprises me to this day how much I like Inglorious Bastards. Yeah. I, honestly, it, when I put all of Quentin Tarantino's movies like up against one another, it's hard to compare. Yeah. But that movie is like, every time I watch that movie, I'm like, okay, yeah, you know what? This movie is freaking yeah. impressive. So now, now I need to go home. No, I need to go back and rewatch that movie now. Thanks yeah, a lot, well, Aaron. <laughs> you're welcome. You're welcome. Well, I mean, <laughs> I mean, there might be movies that I maybe like better and certain like Pulp Fiction yeah. is just such a huge influence for me Dude, I know that I might too. like better, but I don't think you can argue that Inglorious Bastards is not his most well-made movie. I mean, even yeah. so, I mean, and this jerk You're even says right. at the end, the last words are, you know, I think I just made my masterpiece. Yeah. You know, the, the son yeah. of a bitch, like it's just rubbing yeah. it in our face is how good he <laughs> But it's awesome yeah. at the same time. And he's you not know, subtle I, about it. He just, he Qu- knows he's good. You know? He knows. Well, and honestly, the best Quentin Tarantino is showboating Quentin Tarantino. Oh, so. for sure. For sure. <laughs> well, cool. Well, speaking of opening scenes, the opening scene to Back to the Future Oh man. Is so good, dude. And it's like, it's, it's one of those things as a kid, I remember watching and thinking like, Oh my God, this is so interesting. And so yeah. it tells so much in this one long take again, back to the long take thing. Yeah, you know? yeah. But, but the idea is like, you get all this backstory, you understand just by like, as the camera kind of pans across all the clocks, this is about going back Back in time, you know, right, right. you got the Huey Lewis song back in time playing oh, over the radio. You got, you know, so then you go going all that stuff. And then as you kind of are panning through the scene, you get this backstory about who Doc is, how he's right. a scientist, the right. people he looks up to Einstein and all that with the dog bowl. This is Einstein on it. Right. And then the, you know? the little mechanical arm that like dumps, yeah. like what dumps, like, well, it's dumping piles of food on the floor, which yeah. gives you another hint that like, exactly. That he's they're not of, here out of town, you know? Yeah. So yeah, he's not around. You know, and then as it keeps panning, you know, past all of his cool, like mad scientist gadgets and stuff, mm-hmm. then you see the door crack open and you hear her Marty saying, hey, Doc, you know, like, hey, where are you, Doc? Like, so it's just reinforcing that Doc's not around. Before that, you pan past this TV 
and there's this like news show on talking about stolen plutonium oh, that's from a right. terrorist attack. Oh my god, I know? forgot about that actually. All that's in the intro. And then and then you get to Marty's asking like opening the door and going, Doc, where you at? And all you right. see are his feet, right? But you right, know this is a right. kid because he drops his skateboard. You're like, okay, so there's this kid that's kind of hanging around with this old man. He kicks his skateboard, it rolls through the frame and then the camera pans and it like hits underneath Doc's bed, which is like these cases of the plutonium that was stolen. <laughs> and it's just like, oh my God, this th- you just got all the backstory that you ever need in like this four minute long take that is just, it's like so perfect, dude. You got to hand it to Robert Zemeckis, man. That guy is Oh, like I mean, the dude's an all timer. Yeah. Well, I mean, back to the future is I use it as an example all the time as I think probably the tightest, most well-written screenplay ever, ever done. I mean, it's perfect. Literally everything. And that opening scene is just a perfect example of it. Literally everything in it is either a setup or a payoff. There's no wasted anything in it. Yeah. Uh, which which is funny. It's fun. It's a fun movie to go back and rewatch too, because you get all of these fun little Easter eggs as you watch, you know? And that is funny because I'm not even sure that I remembered it's been, I guess it's been a little while since I've seen it. Cause I'm not sure I actually remembered every single one of those things. I, I didn't remember the plutonium yeah. on the, on the yeah. bed when he kicks his, Oh yeah, that's right. It's underneath the bed. It's underneath it? the bed. Hits, yeah. Like that's the, right. That's yep. right. Yeah. Yep. Li- yeah. It, literally everything in the movie is, is there for a reason. And, but then also at the same time, it's funny and it's exciting. Yep. And it's just, it's one of those movies that's just humming on all cylinders the entire time, which is, and so it's good. funny because I've actually read the, I read the original uh, screenplay And it actually originally started much differently and not nearly as good. Like the opening is Marty like in class and he's like flicking pencils into the (laughs) ceiling and you read it and you're like, and it doesn't have anything to do with anything. Yeah. It's like more like the breakfast club and it has nothing to do with anything. And so at some point they came along and said, you know what, we're going to do this a better way. And man, like I can't, I can't think of a better way to do that kind of exposition in a more timely, more concise, more interesting yeah. manner than, than that. Back to the Future really is close to a perfect movie. It, it really is. I was going to say that. It's like, it's probably the best well done movie I can think of. Yeah. Outside of maybe Godfather. <laughs> the Godfather right, trilogy. Right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. God, but, I could do an entire episode on, oh, on I Godfather. Know. I yeah. Know, man. I mean, we should probably actually cut it off there. I had one more I was going to talk about, but I kind of, I kind of want to end on that Back to the Future one because right. it really is, it's such a top notch example of, of exactly what we're talking about, which is just kind of every single element in service of the story, character, timing, and just to create this, this whole that's so much more than the sum of the parts. And yeah, man. I mean, I don't know about you, but that's just, that's what makes filmmaking so, so incredible for me. Man, I'm just excited to start making some movies again with this COVID going away. So. Oh, I know. Yeah, we're kind of on the, it feels like we're at least starting to be on slowly. the downslope a yeah. little bit. Yeah, slowly. slowly. Like we can, we can at least, we can at least see the end now and then yep. we can start getting back together. We can make movies again. And man, it's going to be, it's going to be great. I'm so excited. Me too, man. Well, thanks for having me, dude. This was a lot of fun. We should Absolutely. do this again. <laughs> yeah, we definitely, we definitely will. I mean, uh, we're going to, we're going to be taking just a, a break for a few weeks, uh, but then Drew and I will be back um, talking about all the stuff we've always been talking about. And, and one of the things we've been talking about doing is uh, doing maybe a round table with me, Drew, you, and Leah to cool. kind of talk about pre-production or possibly once we're at, once we've shot it, maybe talking about production of, of Jump Seat. Yeah. 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 So that'll be really cool. But in the meantime, we're going to say goodbye so everybody, you know, if you have a chance, uh, go give us a good rating or review on your podcast listening platform of choice, whatever it is you like to do it on. If it's iTunes, you know, you can write a little review or whatever. This was a ton of fun, Dave. Yeah, dude. Thank you so That's much fun. for coming on. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to a very special episode of the Take 43 podcast. Uh, say bye, Dave. Bye. Bye, everybody. Thank you. Thank you.